Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hello, everyone. It is Jamie Jo Wright here back on Mad Lit Musings. And today I have a return author, which I love because then we get to keep chatting about their books. But I have with me Amanda Cabot. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. And thanks so much for inviting me, Jamie Jo. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. It is really fun. And I love chatting about your stories and your characters and all the little messages that you like to weave in, too. That's just, it's so fun. So we are here today to talk about your upcoming release, which releases on October 3rd, and it's called Against the Wind, and it is book two in a series, correct? Book two in The Secrets of Sweetwater Crossing, and since I'm absolutely thrilled by the cover, I'm going to hold it up. Look at that. Let's see. I, I love mean, it. She's against the wind. She is. And there's actually a scene in the book that tells you what she's doing out here in this field of blue bonnets on top of a rock. See, I like that when you have a book with a really neat cover and then the cover actually is in the story. Like it, it's, it, it connects to the story. It's not just a picture. <laughs> the reality is that this scene got written after I got the cover art. Because I'm like you, I always like my covers to have meaning to readers, mm -hmm. you know, so they don't think, oh, this is just some random cover that's on there. Right. It means something. And this was just such a neat scene that the art director came up with that I said, oh, I've got to work it into the book. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Against the Wind is the second book in the series, and it's about sister number two. Um, that we learned about on our last podcast. So I can link to that for those of you who are following on YouTube. Um, so you can hear about the first book, but this is Louisa's story, correct? And Louisa is the youngest of the three sisters. Okay. The Sweetwater Crossing books feature three sisters in what we would call a blended family. Mm -hmm. um, the first one was Emily, the oldest. And we see a Louisa in that book because she is the sister who was left home. Emily went off when she married her handsome rancher. Joanna, who's the middle sister, is in Europe studying to be a musician. Louise is the one who stays home, who nurses her mother through her final illness, has mm. to deal with the mother's death. Then Emily comes home and starts to change everything. And Louisa is, shall we say, not happy. And that's <laughs> a major exaggeration. She is so upset. She goes, hey, I'm out of here, Emily. I'm just not going to put up with this. Yeah. She heads off to Cimarron Creek, which readers may notice is one of my other fictional towns. Mm -hmm. And she spends the better part of a year there studying to be both a doctor and a midwife. She comes back to Sweetwater Crossing. Um, she's accompanying an older woman who needs to come back very briefly. Her plan is to be there couple days and then head back to Cimarron Creek. But along the way, she's literally driving down the road and she sees this body lying on the road. Now you have my interest, you said body. 
<laughs> it, it turns out it's a very badly injured man. Mm. He's suffering from dehydration, almost at the point of heat stroke, and his leg is really, really badly broken. Plus, his horse has disappeared. Mm -hmm. So there he is. Well, she can't leave him. So, of course, she gets him in the buggy, takes him to Sweetwater Crossing, sets his leg because she knows how to do that. And he's not going to be able to leave for six weeks, which is absolutely not what Josh has in mind. Mm -hmm. But Louisa also can't leave him because there's no doctor in Sweetwater Crossing at this point. Okay. So she's got to hang around for the six weeks until she can take the cast off his leg. Yeah. As you can imagine, a fair number of things happen during those six weeks. A lot can happen in six weeks, especially when the well, hero is semi-bedridden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. And I'm sure Louisa is also just thrilled to be back in oh, Sweetwater. Just thrilled. <laughs> well, and the other thing is that the townspeople who've known her her whole life go, you think you're a doctor? Oh, right. Mm. You know, I mean, first of all, she's a woman. And in that era, women doctors were extremely rare. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is there's that familiarity. They yeah. just don't believe that little Louisa could be, you know, somebody who could help them. Mm -hmm. So she's fighting a lot of prejudice. And she also, she's a very, very skilled midwife. But surprisingly, she faces resistance on that front, too. Hmm. Some of the women just don't see any need for her. Okay. They say, women have been delivering babies for centuries without midwives. And she's thinking, yeah, and way too many of them died. Right. So, you know, she's fighting to establish her place mm -hmm. and it's not easy no no and that that kind of goes along with so much of women throughout history um who start wanting to be established in different areas and even just having a career doesn't even really matter what the career is <laughs> it's just what you're not home so that's 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 neat and what what time period does this story take place in 18th century, 1883. Okay. And it's set in what area again? Because we have Sweetwater Crossing, but where is that? Hill Country. Okay. Readers have come to expect the Texas Hill Country from me. Mm -hmm. So I keep going back and I keep creating these fictional towns. Yeah. And then I try to put connections between them. And oh, it's fun. It's fun. That's neat. And I love that Louisa goes to Cimarron Creek, which is part of a prior series that you'd written. It's it's fun. And I'm assuming some of the characters from that probably have some cameos. Actually, no, they're in the okay. past. But oh, okay. So we're in a different era. It was she was trained by them. So I mean she'll talk about Austin and Thea okay. and how what they taught her, but they don't actually um in the book, other than in her memory. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's still neat, though, because they're referenced, and that's fun. That's fun. Okay, so tell me a little bit about, um, we have Josh. He's the wounded man, correct? Do we get to know a little bit about his background now, or is that highly secret? Oh, no, no, no. That's no secret okay, at all. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Josh is part of, he and his cousin are the two surviving members of a family, well, sort of a dynasty, their grandfather founded a company called Porter and Sons and expected that one of his two sons would take over. Well, the sons are killed in a buggy accident. Mm. 
leaving the two grandsons as orphans. So the grandfather raises them. Now this company, Porter and Sons, I'll freely admit was based on Fortnum and Mason in you know the legendary grocers in mm -hmm. London. He, the grandfather views this as the new world's answer to Fortnum and Mason's. He's getting elderly, he's planning to retire. And so he says to his two grandsons, okay, I'm, I'm going to choose between you. One of you will take over control of the company. You need to come back to me with an idea of a way to take us into our next century. And whoever has the best idea is going to win. Mm -hmm. So the cousin goes off to Europe. Josh decides to head around the country and find new recipes. He want, His vision is to have an American room in the story. Okay. And it would feature special foods from different regions of the country. And he's pretty sure that his grandfather is going to like this idea. The problem is his horse trips you know, his foot in a prairie dog hole, throws him off, appears, and when the horse disappears, so, of course, do Josh's saddlebags that have all of the recipes. Oh. So at this point, he has nothing. Yeah. And the clock is ticking. He's got to have his plan together and be back in New York. But he has nothing, and he's stuck there in Sweetwater Crossing for six weeks. Mm. What's he going to do? Right. So he's not a happy camper. Louisa's not happy at being back. But somehow or another, it is going to work out. Well, you know, let's hope so, because we all want a happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes a while to get there. It does. And it's all that in between that makes it really fun to read, because then you have the little, you know, arguments and trials and errors that the characters get to go through. That's super fun, super fun. So um, Louisa and Josh, are they kind of a fire and water type of a couple, or are they pulled together with the common commonality of not being where they want to be actually more uh similar than dissimilar okay. they're both trying to find their path in life mm. josh thinks he knows what it is louisa is certain she knows what her future is going to be mm -hmm. but you know god sometimes has different ideas and it takes them a while to realize what it is that God has in store for them yeah. and what their future should be. Yeah. That's interesting. My mom would always, and I'm going to butcher the verse because I'm horrible at memorizing word for word, but there's a verse that man makes plans, but God designs their path or basically has a different plan for you. <laughs> Like, go ahead and make your own plans, but I've got something else and we're actually really going to do that. <laughs> There's that story and it's not in the Bible, but I've heard it so many times where um, we make plans and God laughs. <laughs> mm, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I do kind of wonder if God finds humor in that, you know, like, because we do get so specific in what our intentions are and what we're going to do. And all of a sudden... God's like, yeah, no, it's not quite that way. <laughs> oh, fun. So what made you kind of pursue that theme in the story? Was it just as the story evolved, you started seeing that concept of 
our plans going awry or was that something that you set out to to build into the story? I set out to do it because I've seen it in my own life. Mm. I mean, I had my my life carefully planned and God had better ideas. Yeah. It wasn't clear initially that they were better ideas, but they definitely were. Yeah. Yeah. Was writing one of your plans? It was. That okay. one hasn't changed. <laughs> that one hasn't changed. <laughs> he put that uh, desire there from a very early age. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's neat too, because you see that, you know, sometimes we make plans and like in Louisa and Josh's situations, those plans aren't going to come to fruition for whatever reason. You know, there's roadblocks, there's accidents, there's things that happen. But then sometimes we do have those plans, we call them, but they're actually like desires that God has placed on our hearts and is actually weaving those into a greater plan of our life. Um, and so it's fun to see that that evolve through fiction too. So um, as you write this book and as you have like the themes and the concepts, tell us a little bit about um, the family as a whole, because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we still have a little bit of that family saga going on with the sisters as well through all of this. And this is, I have written about three sisters in the past. My okay. Westward Winds series had three sisters, but they were never all together. We had two together in the first book. But then after that, books two and three had one sister and that was it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's been really fun about doing the Sweetwater Crossing books is that I'm bringing them all back together. Mm-hmm. Emily comes home after her not so great marriage. Right. And Louisa leaves. But then Louisa comes back. So in book two, we have the two of them together. And they've got to work out the issues that were pretty much established in the first book. Mm -hmm. Louisa's resentment, Emily's taking over when Louisa justifiably says, hey, you weren't here for a while. What makes you think you're the expert? Mm -hmm. And then in the third book, I bring back Louisa, who's been in you. Louisa, Joanna, who's been in Europe for over a year. And so the third book, which is Into the Star, Joanna comes back and I've got all three sisters together, but their lives have changed. I mean, they look at what it was like growing up, but now in book three, two of the sisters are married. Mm. Joanna comes back. She is a a recent widow Mm. and so their lives are different than they could ever have imagined, but they're reforging the very close relationship that they had growing up. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun watching that happen or well, making it happen. <laughs> it does feel as writers that we are watching it though, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't really consider yourself as a creator of anybody's life. <laughs> they're, they're telling me what's going on. Right. Right. I always, I always joke that we're just borderline on being very weird people to talk to when it comes to writers. That's right. Well, I think only another writer understands just how strange it can get at times when these voices talk to you. This is so true. And they do. And then they suddenly there's a character that pops their head up and you're like, now, where'd you come from? And what are you supposed to be doing here? <laughs> well, that actually happened uh, with one of the characters in Against the Wind. Okay. There's, there's a man named Raymond and 
when I envisioned the story, he was a certain kind of a person. And in mm -hmm. fact, when I wrote the first draft, he was, and he was kind of obnoxious. Mm -hmm. I didn't like him. And I said, I, I just can't leave him like this. So I wound up changing him into a rather different person. Okay. Yeah, which worked a whole lot better for the story. Yeah. And then in the third book, Into the Starlight, in the middle of the book, a character who was only going to be there for like one scene mm -hmm. said, hey, don't forget about me. I'm important. <laughs> and she became a major secondary character. Oh, that's and, You know, I love it when that happens mm -hmm. because it adds depth to the story. Yeah. And it just, what's well, more fun to write because right. I'm discovering new things about my characters. Exactly. Exactly. That's so fun. And sometimes those secondary characters almost steal the limelight. Have you had that happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they like to, they like to come out and be like, I need more attention, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the title against the wind, how did you come up with that title and what does that have to do specifically with the story? Well, I'm not sure how I came up with the title, <laughs> but the the image is that Louisa feels like she, as I said, she has these plans. She mm -hmm. thinks she's moving forward, but she feels as if she's moving against the wind mm -hmm. and that it's pushing her back and she can't achieve okay. what she wants to do. And yeah. so that's... That's kind of where it comes that's from. It. So that that feeling of of trying and trying and trying and two steps forward and three steps back. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So we have Against the Wind, which is coming out October 3rd. And then how long do we have to wait to hear the rest of the story of the sisters? Uh, July 16th of next year. Okay. Right. And one of the really great things about this third book, Into the Starlight, is that this is when readers find out the answer to the biggest secret in Sweetwater Crossing, which has to do with the man who built the house uh -huh. that's on the cover of After the Shadows. Uh -huh. This gorgeous house that is so incredibly out of place in Sweetwater Crossing. And everybody thinks they know what happened to Clive Finley. Uh -huh. Well, in book three, you find out what really happened. Uh -huh. And you're not going to reveal it to us now, are you? No, <laughs> that would spoil everything. My follow-up question was literally going to be, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, next July, you can find out. <laughs> well, we will have to have you back next July so we can talk about it. Maybe after the book's been released too, we'll have to have a special bonus episode where we can actually discuss this house and the mystery fun? around it. <laughs> Uh, I love houses and old mysteries and and just the things that evolve around them and through them. And so it's fun to see that weaving through the stories of these three books and the lives of these girls, too. Well, it's been fun doing it. I bet. I bet. All right. Well, if readers want to find out more about you and get their hands on book one and book two of The Secrets of Sweetwater Crossing, um, what's the best way for them to connect with you? My website, okay. amandacabot.com. It's got buying links. It's got links for my newsletter, and I encourage people to sign up for that. Um, it's basically one-stop shopping. That's perfect. It is really nice, honestly, when you can go to an author's website and have all the links right there um, versus trying to find 
where are they on Facebook? Where are they on Instagram and all of that? So good, good. Well, Amanda, this was so much fun to have you here and to catch up on book number two. Against the Wind is available October 3rd and you can pre-order it now if you're hearing this before October 3rd and um, get your copy as soon as it's ready to be shipped. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. As always, it was fun. It was a blast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Mad Lit Musings. You can find out more information about Mad Lit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.